California. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of King of the Podcast. Introducing your host, born and raised in the city of angels, the mayor, John Hovan. And originally from the Bronx, now hailing from Encino, it's D.B. Dennis Bernstein. Buckle up, here we go. Here we go, Kings of the Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5, and most importantly, Dennis Bernstein, this is the season preview show. We're about to drop the puck on the 2021 NHL season and get after it, so you know we're going to get on the air tonight and talk about it, DB. <laughs> Jay, 10 months since the last Kings game. 10 months. It's This is this is Christmas and Hanukkah Eve all wrapped into one. Yeah, there you go. It's it's something, DB, because I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm prepared for the next four to six months uh, because the last couple of weeks of training camp have been absolutely unbelievable. It is a roller coaster ride that uh, Magic yeah. Mountain, you know, they would love to have a ride like this. Every day it's this guy's going, this guy's leaving, this guy's in protocol. Uh, even Kings coach Todd McClellan has had enough of this already. I loved his press conference a couple of days ago where – he basically said that he wasn't going to answer any more questions about it. And so lo and behold, he got another question about it today. And uh, he was not, he was none too pleased with that question, Dennis. No. And he's tired of talking into computers already. I asked him about that, about the prospects of doing four more months of zoom videos. He's not too happy about that. So he's not in the best of moods as opening night approaches. Well, you, um, you have a way with questions uh, over the past couple of days. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, DB, I uh, have to make mention of the fact that today's episode is coming to people live from the TJ Fast studio. Now, diehard Kings fans might remember the name, but if you're wondering sort of the connection there, the Kings only dra- have only drafted one player from Hamilton. We talked about that on a previous episode, the Hamilton Bulldogs, the OHL version. That would be Arthur Kaliev. Uh, there was the AHL version of Hamilton as well, and if there are a few Kings connections to that team, but they did sign a player as an unrestricted free agent out of the Hamilton Bulldogs, the OHL version, and that would, of course, be Matt Luff, who is, uh, by all accounts, having a great showing at LA Kings training camp this year, which is good because, you know, you don't want to say it's a make-or-break year, but it sort of feels like this is the make-or-break year for Matt Luff. It's time for him to either step up and show that he can become a National Hockey League player, or he might be one of those guys who is going to spend the majority of his career in the American League. Agreed. It's a big opportunity for him right now, and Look, we root for guys. I'm rooting for Lover. He's a great kid. He's got opportunity here, and we'll see you know, what he does with it. Yeah, he was a wonderful guest uh, early on during the quarantine season of Kings of the Podcast. Told some great stories. I've tweeted that out a number of times, Dennis, and it's been great to see Coach Todd McClellan give him a lot of props uh, on, on a regular basis here throughout training camp. Luffer scored a goal there at the scrimmage game at Staples Center over the weekend, so it looks like Matt Luff is is on the way to uh, becoming a member of the LA Kings, at least on the opening night roster, and it's really going to be just a, a game-by-game situation throughout the season with, with so many players, at least early on, expected to probably be coming in and out of the lineup 
Yeah, plus they're banged up. They had some, you know, COVID issues. So yeah, it's it's definitely a work in progress. And it's not, Jay. This is not going to be the only time this season you're going to have some transition on the uh, what you see on the ice with respect to the team. Dennis, we're not using COVID as a term this year in the National Hockey League. It we're is not. unfit to play. You're going to need to unfit get on board with that. Unfit to play. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I'm unfit to broadcast, but yeah, okay, I'm, I'm on board. With that. Okay, uh, back to back to TJ Fast real quick because uh, this is going to be his moment in the sun with the LA Kings. He was drafted by LA in the second round. That was 60th overall, Dennis, at the 2005 NHL draft. And with all due respect to Dave Taylor and his crew at the time, this is really right before the LA Kings as an organization became really, really good at drafting once Dean Lombardi and, of course, Mark Unetti and Mike Fuda joined the organization. Unfortunately, TJ Fast never did play a game in the National Hockey League. Uh, he Interesting little sort of backstory, though, on him. He was playing in the AJHL at the time. Not a lot of players are drafted out of there. He ended up, after his draft, uh, being drafted, I should say, he ended up playing at the University of Denver for two years, and where things became interesting was he left school to go play in the WHL. You see guys occasionally do this, and uh, when Fast went to the WHL. He went to the Tri-City Americans for the next two years. His head coach at the time was Don Knockbauer. Uh, and if that name sounds familiar, that was Anderson Dolan, Jared Anderson Dolan's coach in Spokane. And then later he became the uh, assistant coach here in Los Angeles under John Stevens for a couple of years. Yep, exactly. And he was traded a couple of times, but as you said, never played in the NHL. Yeah, he, uh, he did play in the American League, the ECHL. He played in Germany, but unfortunately never did get his cup of coffee in the National Hockey League. So TJ Fast, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're listening, we tip our cap to you. Today, the studio is named after you as we were searching uh, through the Hamilton Bulldogs archives to come up with the name here. Uh, Dennis, we have a jam-packed show today, and uh, we don't even have a guest because we have so much content to get out there today. Everybody wants to know. They want some thoughts on what to expect. It's going to be such a strange year. 56 games in the National Hockey League, four new divisions. Uh, and we we were asked, as usual, on uh, thefourthperiod.com, we were asked to submit our division winners, as well as Stanley Cup winners, and then also all of the trophies that are given out, the Conn Smythe, the Calder, the Jack Adams, etc. cetera. Uh, for this program, I thought I would just focus on our four division winners. Uh, of course, if people want to see the full predictions in detail, they can go to the fourthperiod.com and they can check all of that out. But uh, the one interesting thing about the four division winners, Dennis, and what's always fun to me is when the article publishes, that's when I see it for the first time because you and I, although we talk every day, I don't ask you for your thoughts. You don't ask me for my thoughts. We sort of submit them blindly and then we compare notes. So I had the Flyers, the Leafs, the Lightning, and the Avalanche as the four division winners. And you had the Capitals, the Leafs, the Lightning, and the Avalanche. So three of the four, you and I are on the same page. Flyers, Capitals, you want to get on your soapbox now and explain your reasoning or you want to save that for later in the show? Yeah, I, I just think this is the last go around for this group in Washington. And I think that LaViolette, you know, John, this was one of the teams where they went to the bubble that they didn't really give 100%. They were really not taking it too seriously. They got bounced in the post. Um, that's why part of the reason that LaViolette's in place, I think they got one more shot at this, and that's why they win the division. Uh, I'm not looking them to emerge to get to a cup final, but I think they got one more shot. But your Flyers, yeah, and I know you're a big Flyers guy from back in the day. Um, they certainly have done a lot of right things to, to put themselves in a position to win the division as well. 
Well, I'm, I'm still waiting for a text message from our friend Kevin Kurz up there in Northern California. Anytime I say something positive about the Flyers, you know, he gets all geeked up and excited because while Sharks fans know him as their, as their uh, beat reporter for, for the Sharks, he, of course, is a big-time uh, Philadelphia hunk. So at some point, he'll read the fourthperiod.com and Kurz, uh, who I have had the privilege of sharing a few adult beverages uh, with after Sharks games, he, he will certainly uh, let us know that uh, thumbs up on, on the Flyers prediction there. So, uh, DB, let's, let's in just a moment, though, uh, uh, let's go through all of the teams. We're going to hit all 31 teams with some quick comments. But first, I wanted to play some audio uh, on the power play today on Sirius XM NHL Radio. You had a chance to interview Gary Bettman, and here's a little bit of audio from that. Gary, the commissioner's jobs are very difficult in all professional sports. But over the summer, something, at least in my eyes, was very interesting. With all the, the challenges and issues by the, all the other elite leagues, like the perception was Gary Bettman completed the season, awarded the Stanley Cup, and Gary Bettman's now really the best commissioner in all of professional sports. Does that matter to you? Do you care about that stuff? <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm laughing. But, um, you know, we do what we do as a league. First of all, everything we did was a collaborative effort. The teams, right. the league office, the players' association, the players – our, our broadcast partners, our sponsors, none of that happened if this wasn't a fully coordinated, cooperative effort. Okay, so to, to, to pinpoint it on me, I think it, it doesn't do justice to everybody else who, who were, were absolutely extraordinary in making it happen. Nicely done there, DB. Getting a little bit of uh, some chuckles out of the commissioner. Holy cow. The staff at SiriusXM went crazy. But, you know, they've never heard Gary laugh that hard. So, look, Have, I think it was wait, hold on. Hold on. Has Gary ever laughed in public ever? I think he's chuckled. Okay. He chuckled at the end of the interview, too, because we played. And he's got his, uh, I think, his 28th anniversary coming up. Or, yeah, I think it's 28 years as commissioner on February 1st. So, Cooley has played a happy anniversary song from the Flintstones. So, he got a little bit of chuckle of that. But that audible laugh. Yeah, pretty set pretty well, I guess, with the commissioner's office right now. But yeah, it was a, a pretty forthcoming interview. And some people took offense to the fact that he said that just the league is losing billions and not the players. And, you know, if you hate Gary, you're going to find a reason to hate the guy anyway. But um, he was pretty transparent. Um, you know, the outdoor games at Lake Tahoe is really a one off. It's to pr- replace you know, the outdoor spectacle that the Winter Classic is. But they're not looking to, to further have uh, more games with respect to having no fans in the stand. So they're going to build a nice rink on the, uh, on the golf course in Tahoe. It's going to be a spectacle. We're going to try to get up there and, and watch it from a media standpoint, but it's a one-off situation. But look, he was, uh, look, the game is in a really good place. If not for uh, unfit to play, I won't mention the C word. So Thank you. Um, if for unfit to play, this, this league would be in really good shape. Uh, but uh, he's through, seen through, through some tough times and uh, you know, he was happy to come on and talk to us today. It, it is absolutely amazing to see all the accolades being thrown at Gary Bettman over the last 12 months, considering, as you pointed out, sort of the public perception of him or the, or the public commentary surrounding him for decades now, which is it's crazy to think about how long he's been at the helm of the National Hockey League. It certainly has been a long time, but it is crazy how the tide has certainly turned, at least among, uh, I would say, a, a, a segment or maybe even a large segment of hockey fans or the hockey community. Uh, Gary Bettman has done a fabulous job as the commissioner over the last 12 months, and he's right. There 
there there are other people to you know to thank as well and to you know to applaud for for their job and their efforts and their work but uh Batman has done a fabulous job here over the last year through a very very difficult time and a league that normally historically gets a lot of things wrong they really have gotten a lot of things right I think over the last uh, six or eight months great point Jay uh, so back to your point though about the outdoor game. So what you're saying is nobody needs to book flights. There will not be a game in the middle of the Sahara Desert next summer. That's not happening. No, they're not going to play in the Rideau Canal in <laughs> Ottawa either. So okay. no, nothing's going to. There's going to be no Ice Island like <laughs> UFC had Fight Island. Correct. Oh, Fight Island is awesome. Come on, <laughs> who doesn't want to? Who We're doesn't want to go Abu see Dhabi a game on Ice Dhabi. Island? Come on, Ice Island would be great. You should trademark that. You better hurry up before John Oliver takes it. Um, Hey, uh, DB, let's just jump into it. There are 31 teams in the National Hockey League, and uh, we want to get to each one of them. So let's just start out in the East Division. We'll go through all 31 teams and uh, just, you know, one, one sort of brief comment about each team. Um, that way that uh, we don't bore anybody, but we'd also bring in all the listeners to what's happening around the league. We'll start in the East Division. This is brought to you by Mass Mutual, uh, which people in Southern California probably don't know is a bank. Uh, we'll start with Boston. You go ahead and first, uh, DB, the Boston Bruins. Uh Okay, let's tee this up, Jay. So you gave me an assignment last night uh, to find a song that would go along with each one of these teams. Now, I've taken 20 teams. You've got 11 because you're busy over there doing whatever you're going to be doing over the next uh, couple of weeks. So I actually <laughs> nicely, found a song Nicely done, for, DB. Thank you. Yeah, I actually found a song for, for every team. So okay. we're gonna, Oh, I said a song or a comment, but you just went all in on songs. Okay. Okay. What do you have for the, what do you have for the Boston Today, Bruins? Today is the day of prep for Sirius and for you as well. Um, this would be Old Man by Neil Young for the Bruins. And it's B drops the Z, right? So Z left town. So for me, it's the impact that the departure of Zidane Chara will have on this team. Oh, that is outstanding. I, I feel I feel very inadequate then when I tell you that Buffalo is next on the list and I took the, uh, the, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. I think they're playing in the toughest division and my biggest question surrounding them is, will Taylor Hall be there past the trade deadline? I say no, but to me that's the biggest question surrounding the Buffalo Sabres. I think everything will continue to go wrong for that organization. I think they'll have to move him at the deadline. And you have that. You have the biggest name traded on the fourth period.com, Taylor Hall. So there you go. <laughs> I did. It's in writing. There you go. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, what do you have? Okay. It's the home of Bruce Springsteen. So we picked the Springsteen song, I'm Going Down, because that's where this team's going to be. And Jay, again, going back to the fourth period, John Hoven, the mayor, last place team in the league, the New Jersey Devils. So for the Devils, I'm going down. <laughs> Great. Now everybody in Buffalo hates me and everybody in New Jersey. Exactly. This, this is wonderful. It's growing by lesions. <laughs> yes. I'm, building my, I'm building my brand on the East Coast. Uh, the New York Islanders. Um. Okay, so there's a song called Cookout Season by Uncle Lou because Uncle Lou runs the show in, in the island. He got Barzell on a bridge deal at $7 million a year. Um, they're ready to go for the regular season. So Cookout Season by Uncle Lou Lamorello. Well, there you go. Next up on the list uh, would be the New York Rangers. I think, and, and I, I'm not alone in saying this, so this isn't, you know, a hot take, but I think the New York Rangers could be one of the surprise teams this year. Of course, the biggest question surrounding them, at least from my perspective, is what's going to happen without Henrik Lundqvist? I know they have a hot rookie there in goal, but, uh, you know, when you, when you see a player like Zdeno Char leaving the Boston Bruins, when you see somebody, the status of a Lundqvist, who has been the face of that franchise for more than a decade, no longer there, 
you, you do sort of wonder what happens next. So th- those are my uh, comments about the New York Rangers. Next up on the list is, and unfortunately, I didn't have a song, so I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I when I think of New York, okay. I just always go Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z. But um, right. for the Philadelphia Flyers who are next, I'll take that, uh, DB. Look, it's big expectations. Uh, there are a lot of people that are high on the Flyers this season, including myself. And I think that one of their strengths is going to be their depth down the middle. It's something that they've been lacking over the last couple of years. I think they're in pretty good position right now. And we've seen with other teams in the past, when you get to that point of having depth down the middle, you tend to have some success. Uh, I've been on record now for a long, 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 long time that I'm not a big fan of the coach. I don't think he's a big game coach. I think he's a great guy. I think he can get you uh, to a certain point. I'm not sure if he has enough uh, to win the big one. So I guess we'll find out. Pittsburgh Penguins, you're up, DB. Okay. The last time by the Rolling Stone. This is the last time this team is going to be a threat to win the cup. It's just they're getting too old. They make changes every year and it does seem to work. Is Tristan Gary the guy? Not really sure. Plus, Jay, you know, let's talk about this division. There's going to be two really good teams that miss the playoffs without question. And this, this, is, this is the group of death, to use a soccer analogy. This is going to be very intense. So I think this is the last time that the Penguins are just going to be a, a, a playoff uh, contender and John, to be honest with you, if you look at their postseason the last couple of seasons, they've been terrible. So I, I think that this is the last go around for this group uh, before they really need to start rebuilding. Great song choice. Uh, I like it. Uh, Washington Capitals. Um, from Russia with Love by Count Basie and his orchestra. <laughs> this is gonna. They're gonna be as good as Kuznetsov and Ovechkin are. They lead the. They lead this team, um, and I still think they got some juice left in the tank, um, but. Um, so I, I think they can win the division. I think they could go. The question is the goaltending, like like seven other teams that we'll talk about. Even Colorado, as great as they are, and we'll talk about them soon. Um, there's question mark the net, you know, or the two youngsters going to be enough. You mentioned Henry Lundqvist leaving. You know, he not only left one team, he left two teams, right? I mean, he, yeah. he took a, a sweetheart deal to go to Washington. It's unfortunate, open heart surgery. He appears to be fine, but that's going to be the big question mark as we go forward is what's going to happen in there for the Capitals. Okay, that's a wrap on the Mass Mutual Division. Uh, next up, we're going to move over to the Central Division, which this year is brought to you by Discover. I wish I knew their tagline, DB. I would have thrown it in there. But uh, Discover Credit Cards, uh, which I think that's a cash back card or something. But anyway, uh, yes, it is. there you go. They are sponsoring. Uh, wasn't that card started by Sears or something? I believe so. Yes, yes, I believe it was Sears. Going back, going way back there, Dennis. Uh, so the Central Division, brought to you by Discover. We will start with the Carolina Hurricanes. You're up, DB. Okay, here's my song. Second place by Johnny Gill, because they're going to finish in second place behind the Lightning. Oh, um, yeah. So th- this is one. This is a team that look. If you look at their the way they're constructed, their wingers, I think. It's statistically, I've gotten to more advanced statistics over, over the offseason. Like they have the worst finishing percentage in the league. Their wingers don't score. So, and we've talked about Patrick Lani there. If they can find a way to get Patrick Lani there and get an all-thin all line of Aho, Lani, and Taro Teravainen, they're going to do a lot better. But I think they're a second-place team. They're going to be pesky all the time. Um, but I just don't think they haven't. They're just not deep enough to win the Stanley Cup. And I think at this point, I like them for second place in the in the century. Okay, now that you've had your piece there, DB, with uh, Carolina, I just want to tell you, when it comes to Johnny Gill, you know, you have to smack it up, flip it, and rub it down. So, uh, there you go. You know, <laughs> love, love me some Johnny Gill. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks, what do you have, Dennis? My Way by Frank Sinatra. Stan Bowman's rebuild. He extended Jeremy Colleton. Um, he's definitely doing it his way. Now, look, Jay, this could be a team, and I know a couple of us, at the poor, as a matter of fact, our Chicago godfather, Todd Banford, 
he picked the Blackhawks for last place. When you look at the injuries <laughs> with respect to Doc in the middle and yeah. the illness with respect to Jonathan Taze and that goaltending, John, Cordelia and Malcolm Subban. Oof. I mean, yeah, there's a legit reason why. I mean, who's going to pass? I mean, Kubalik, is he going to score the the equivalent of 30 again? Who's going to pass on the puck to get the, to the 30? And I think he's on the bottom six right now. So I think this team... Um, Stan Bowman, they trust him, but I, I think this team is certainly in full rebuild mode. It's going to be a very difficult season in Chicago. All right. I'm over here picking out my songs for the teams uh, in the Central Division, but I'm going to give you one more before I go. The Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you have for torts? Okay. Um, I got, as funny as it seems, I've got New York, New York by Frank Sinatra because that's the next destination for Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> Back-to-back songs from the chairman. Okay. Uh, The Dallas Stars are up next. I'll take them. Uh, My question, of course, is how are they going to rebound from that that loss in the cup final? What does Dallas have? Uh, Given their ties to the the great rock band Pantera, I'm going to give them a song. It's called A New Level. That's what I need to see this year out of the Dallas Stars. I need to to see a new level from that group. Uh, They had a little bit of a taste last year of a deep postseason run, and let's see if they can come back and do it again this year. Detroit Red Wings. Dennis, I, I don't know who this team is. I think they're still several years away. Uh, th- this rebound, that or rebuild, excuse me, that is taking place there, I don't think it's anywhere near ready to uh, to bear any sort of fruit. But hey, when you think of Detroit, you have to think of KISS, Detroit Rock City. So I would say that's exactly what it is, Detroit Rock City. They have a bunch of rocks right now. They need to polish them and uh, somehow find a way to get some diamonds squeezed out of those rocks. So there you go, KISS, Detroit Rock City. Florida Panthers, you're up. Okay, um... The Lions sleep tonight by the tokens. This is a team that's still, I think, still asleep. Um, if you watch them against the Islanders, John, I hate to use the word soft because these guys are warriors and they lay it on the ice every night. But that team, the way they played against the Islanders was so soft in the postseason. Um, they've lost Dadanoff. They lost Hoffman. I don't know how they're going to score. They still have a lot of talent on the team. It's just, to me, mystifying that Q couldn't get it together and, and find a way to meld this talent together. I, I think they're an also random division, so um, they're going to sleep throughout the entire this season. Is the last there you go. Nashville period. Predators, I'll take the Preds. I want to know, are they going to compete, or is this a year to rebuild? Uh, look, here's the deal, Nashville. I miss you. So uh, I'm dedicating this song to you. It's not a, a honky-tonk song, but it's called Baby Come Back, and that's what I want from the Nashville Predators. I need them to come back uh, because I think the league is more fun when Nashville is a good team. Agreed. Everyone's talking about going to Nashville. It's just a great visual when they're on TV. Uh, I, I love it. So so baby, come back, would you? All right, Tampa Bay Lightning, you're up. Uh, lightning strikes by Lou Christie. They, they could Lightning could strike twice. This team, I think, other than Colorado, they could repeat. They're going to play in the wraps in, in the regular season. Kucherov isn't there. They're not going to be pushed much in the division, and they might not even win, care about winning the division, John. And the way that the playoffs are set up, I don't think it really matters too much with no fans in the stands. So, um, so yeah, Lightning could strike twice. And if Colorado, I think then the Lightning could repeat as the champs. Okay, let's take a break here real quickly, Dennis. We have a bunch of other teams to get to on the other side and then a jam-packed third period where we're going to talk a lot about the L.A. Kings. We'll be back after the break. All 
Second period. Welcome back, DB. Great music choice there uh, during the break to, to get us out of the first and get us into the second period. We're going to keep trucking along here. Uh, we're about halfway through the league right now. Let's get into the Canadian division, or as it's better known, the North Division, uh, sponsored by Scotia Bank. It's one of those tough words to pronounce, DB. I think if you're Canadian, everybody knows it's Scotia, but I think if you're yeah. south of the border, you don't really know how to pronounce that. Um, Correct. <laughs> a lot of banks are involved here. Mass Mutual, which is, that's a bank, right? Not an insurance company. I, I'm not sure. I second guessed yeah. myself after I said it earlier. So whatever, uh, Scotia Bank. There you go. You get your you get your free publicity. It's a financial company. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, aren't we all? Um, you get your. Uh, speaking of, aren't we all? TB. That reminds. It's always Vin Scully saying. But uh, do want to just uh, quickly say, man. Tough loss this week. Tommy Lasorda, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, we all knew this was coming. We had talked about it on the podcast when he first was in the hospital a couple of months ago that it didn't look like a good sign that he wasn't uh, released after a couple days or a week. Uh, you know, and, and as everybody has said, we all knew this day was coming at some point. But, man, it has been awesome to just watch uh, Channel 690, you know, the all Dodger channel there on uh, DirecTV yeah. and just relive all the memories from Tommy. Um, there, there are so many. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about a guy being with an organization for 60 years, but it's really phenomenal. And uh, I, I just, speaking of chuckled, uh, I, I did laugh a couple of times thinking about him dissing Jack Johnson at the, the face-off dot there at the Staples Center. <laughs> no, you love that. <laughs> it's just... you, know, it's, you mentioned uh, Sportsnet LA and what they played. They had this one, I think, Dodger Chronicles episode mm -hmm. where he really made it like – Showtime and show business with the Dodgers. I guess when he was named manager, Frank Sinatra sang, sang the um, national anthem opening day. Yes. He actually forgot one of the stanzas. So it was like the 32nd. <laughs> well, Walter anthem. Alston was the manager before Tommy Lasorda, and he was the opposite right. of Lasorda. He was very right. much old school, buttoned up by the book, by the numbers type guy. And then here's Tommy, who was this big, you know, flamboyant guy um, who oh. had no problem being front and center. So, yeah, just a, a totally different approach, uh, to, you know, to managing, uh, but really a successful manager by every stretch of the imagination, not only with, with the Dodgers, but also his accomplishments at the Olympics with Team USA and everything. And oh, yeah. just a sad day for, for baseball. And yeah. a sad we lost an icon for sure. Definitely, definitely lost an icon. And uh, locally here, Kings coach Todd McClellan, I thought had some really poignant words to, uh, to, to say about him uh, during his press conference. So uh, moving on, uh, on a happier note here, DB, uh, the North Division, Scotiabank, we'll start with the Calgary Flames. Uh, Disco Inferno, burn baby burn. <laughs> I don't expect them to win the division. I look at them as probably like the three seed in the division. I like um, uh, the Habs and the, the um, Leafs at the top, but I, I think they'll do enough work here. I, I think it's a redemption year for both uh, Johnny Goudreau and uh, Sean Monahan. So I think they'll do pretty well, but I don't like them to win overall. And they are, they've upgraded their net with respect to getting uh, a Mark Drummond from Vancouver. Okay. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, a lot of questions. Can they compete with Toronto for the first uh, first spot overall in the North Division? Uh, the song I'm going to give them is Almost There, which is a song by Randy Newman, who, of course, is more famous for I Love L.A., but I think that's where the Oilers are. They're almost there. They're just they're, There's just something always seems to be missing with the Oilers. Right. They have the coach. You know, they, they have, obviously, one of the best players in the game, uh, but they're almost there. So that's that's my song for them. Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Mission Impossible thing, because they actually might win the division this season. I, I like what? them. I like what? No, yeah, I know. I think they might win. I really do. I, I love the ads they made. Uh, Tapoli on the third line, and that gives them depth scoring. 
I like the Ed of Edmondson. I just like the way they're going to play. Have you checked? And, true, real question, DB. Have you checked in on the conditioning of uh, Mr. Toffoli? Because the uh, reports are not necessarily great, which is not surprising with the uh, the Pilates being the preferred uh, offseason. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Pilates. That's the one, that could be a big factor okay. in his season. How much Pilates he put in between you know, the end of uh, the season in Vancouver and the start of this one. Okay. But you think that they have a legit shot of winning the division? Yeah, I, I like their defense. I think Carey Price playing 56 games will bring in Jake Allen. We don't have to exhaust them. I, I, the key will be for that team, John, is the uh, centers. Mm-hmm. Kakanemi and uh, Suzuki uh, play as well as they did in the postseason. If they do, then they, I think they have a legitimate chance to win in a 56-game season. Did you notice my Vesna pick on the fourth period.com? I did. Come on now. Let's go. Very surprising. Price. I, I, I am not a Carey Price guy. I, no, I know I know that never. I know people don't agree with me. I think he's overrated. Um I just I don't think that he, you know, walks on water. He is definitely an elite goalie, so calm down, people. Don't at me. I'm just saying that he to me is not the live all be all when it comes to goaltenders. I think that there are a number of guys, even in his prime, and I don't think Price is in his prime anymore, but in his prime, I don't think that he was the undisputed number one. I think that at different points you could make a good argument for for a handful of guys. Um, of course, Jonathan Quick in Los Angeles was one of those guys, but we talked earlier about Lundquist. I think you could you could throw him into the mix as well. But the reason I bring it up, though, is I think this is the perfect uh, scenario for Carey Price. When you look at sort of where he is in his career, a 56-game shortened season, um, everybody talks about how compacted the schedule is. The schedule really isn't that compact. This is not Olympic level compacting of the schedule. Um, they they just have you know the proper number of games spread out over uh, roughly the the same amount of time that they normally would play fifty six games in. Uh, if you really dig into the schedule, so I think this is good for Price. I think he does have a backup there that can help spell him when necessary. Um, I think that playing even against uh, teams in sets could possibly help him, especially if they get heavy into the analytics and look at teams that he is particularly better against. Uh, I just think that this, uh, this thing lines up really nicely, I think, for Carey Price. And I think there's a renewed love affair for Carey Price within the media, especially the Canadian media, uh, coming out of their, their success and their return to play last summer. So I, I guess I'm all in on Carey Price. You certainly are, Jake. <laughs> All right. The, I, that was much longer than I expected. Heel turn there, man. I, much longer than I expected it to be. Uh, the uh, I have nothing to say about this next team, so it's all you, Dennis. The Ottawa Senators. You're going to like the title of the song. You're not going to like the band. Okay. Bottoms up by Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, okay. You've you've now reached Colin Fraser level of being banned from the show. What what is wrong with you? There's all these bands, all these songs that are out there and you had to go to Nickelback? I did because bottoms up. They're going to be the last place team in the division. I like them as the last place team in the league. So bottoms up. I could I could maybe found a better band to find a song like that, but that's that's my song and I'm sticking with it. Nobody ever said maybe I could have found a better band when talking about Nickelback. What they always <laughs> say is I certainly could have found another band, but okay, fine, TP. I'll give you a pass. You had to come up with 20 songs, so I'll give you a, I'll give you a pass. The uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I will take this one. I, you know, it's no surprise here. Uh, they are a much better team. I think they are a cup contender this year. I still don't like the goaltending with Freddie Anderson. Never have, never will. Uh, but I do like the addition of Joe Thornton. I think that he just brings something exciting to a team. And that locker room needs somebody like a Joe Thornton to bring some life and enthusiasm and, and, and some character uh, to it. I think that at times that team t- plays a little bit too tight uh, in large part because of the media and the market. But here's my song. It, and, and you kind of have to connect the dots on a DB. You know, I love to do that. So uh, Billy Joe 
Armstrong, who is mm-hmm. uh, okay. from Green Day, which of course is a Northern California band, and that's where Joe spent the majority of his time. So Billy Joe and Joe, uh, we're going to go with the Green Day song, Welcome to Paradise, because I think that's what this is for Joe, regardless of what happens for uh, in the standings and in the playoffs and everything else. Joe Thornton is going to be able to end his career playing at home in front of friends and family, playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So welcome to Paradise, Joe. Have fun. Nicely done, Jay. Thank you. Uh, Vancouver Canucks. So wait, hold on. That was better yeah. than Nickelback. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Vancouver Canucks. I to, when I when I look when I was searching for a team <laughs> with bottom in it, and I saw Nickelback, I go, I got to throw this in, just only to get chirped by you for nothing more. So I TV, knew that was going to come. TV. Let me ask you a quick question. You and I have shared so many stories through the years, but there, I'm sure there are stories that you have that you have not shared with me, and vice versa. Have I ever shared the story with you about when I interviewed Nickelback at the NHL Awards? No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. So, man, I should have dug up uh, the audio and played it on the show. So, um, the NHL Awards, this would have been around 2011 to 2013, right. somewhere, in, yeah. somewhere in that range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they have the awards in, award show in Vegas, they have all these entertainers and whatnot, and, and there would be a band, and they've had different, you know, Dirks Bentley has played and a bunch of other stuff. And so Nickelback was going to play. And, I, of course, Nickelback, uh, when it was announced by the NHL that they were going to be there, they received, you know, lukewarm reaction by a large segment of the fan base because half of the world, the hockey world, that is Canada loves them and the lower half here in the United States, uh, not big fans of Nickelback. So um, I wanted to ask them an honest question. So I, you know, we're, we're uh, talking with them and this is one of those deals where like nobody's talking to them because they weren't, it was strange. They were made available to talk to in the same room with all of the NHL trophies. And so you had a couple, maybe like five, maybe 10, I don't remember exactly, five or 10 different guys that were nominated that year for the trophies, Vesna, Calder, and so on, who were there um, in, in their respective corners. And then there was kind of like Nickelback over in the corner who was made available if you wanted to talk to them. And, and nobody was talking to them. Everybody was talking to the hockey players. So uh, after I made the rounds, I went over and I can't remember the guy's name who's the lead singer, I apologize, but he's there with a couple of his bandmates. And I said, we were talking hockey for a couple of minutes. And, and, I, and I said, I, I'm just curious, um, is this type of environment something that you guys are, are you know, excited and really looking forward to do? Uh, because so many hockey fans, especially in Canada, you know, really love you guys. And uh, compared to like, you know, any discussions of you guys playing the Super Bowl or, uh, you know, a Major League Baseball all-star te- uh, game or whatever, where, you know, a, a segment of the fan base, at least, um, you know, is negative upon you guys. And, and so is this is this more uh, welcoming type of environment? I thought it was a good question. I thought he'd be like, yeah, you know, we love hockey. And he, 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 he took great offense to the question um, and instead oh. wanted to, <laughs> instead wanted to tell Dan me... Broker's the guy's name. He's the lead singer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. He wanted to tell me how many records they've sold, um, how I was wrong, that people don't dislike them. He basically wanted to list all the reasons... Uh, the, you know, th- that would sway you to believe that that the world loves them. How many tours they've done, how many albums they've sold, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I wasn't trying to take away from that. They obviously are very successful and they've made a ton of, of money, but um, they are a they are a divisive band. They're not. They're, they're not. They're not. They're not universally <laughs> loved. I don't think I was breaking no. news. So be right, it. Exactly. So be they're it. Polarizing. For well, sure. not according to what's his name, Chad. Chad, Chad Kroger. Well, not according to Chad, okay? So if I ever find the audio, I'll dig it up and we can play it here on the show. Um, sorry about that uh, that rant there, DB. Uh, no, where, that's, a good, that's a good story. <laughs> We're at the Canucks. Thank you. Okay, the Vancouver Canucks. What do you have for Vancouver? Yesterday by the Beatles, because they are really going to hope they had the team they had <laughs> yesterday. And after, they lost a lot of players. They lost 
to Foley. They lost Markstrom, their MVP, to, to Calgary, to an in-division rival. Um, they swapped out uh, Tanev and uh, Stetcher for Nate Schmidt and Ola Ulevi. There's a lot of things going on. They had to put Louis Erickson on waiver. So I think the, them, the team and their fans will harken back the days of yesterday when they were uh, a legitimate threat last season in the postseason. That is a great song uh, choice. That is excellent. I think that's a, that's a good one. And I'm not a Beatles guy, so that was a that was a good one. You aren't. I know that. Yes, Rolling Stones, uh, not the Beatles. Anyway, uh, last one here, I believe, in this division then would be the Winnipeg Jets. I think that uh, they've addressed some of their depth issues. Perhaps they could be a sleeper in this division. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows, and that's why being from Winnipeg, I had to go with Fozzie, of course, which is Chris Jericho. Uh, big Manitoba guy and his band Fozzie. They have a song called Nowhere to Run. And I think that's exactly what's facing the Winnipeg Jets right now. There is nowhere to run in this division. Uh, you ha- Anybody, you could almost make the argument that that almost, not Ottawa, sorry, uh, but almost anybody could, could win this division or make the playoffs. I think there's nowhere to run this year for the Winnipeg Jets. And since you closed with the Jets, I do have some breaking news. It looks like within the next 24 hours that uh, our friend Trevor Lewis... One-year deal, closing in with the Winnipeg Jets. So he did really good in the first scrimmage out there. Uh, had a golden assist. So up there, that really means a lot. Uh, but it looks like Trevor's going to be joining the uh, Jets at the start of the season. Okay. Well, if I had that information prior, then I would have gone with an Elvis song, and only people that listen to Kings of the Podcast would understand the connection between Elvis and Trevor Lewis. But uh, good for Louis. Happy to see him catch on there. You know, it's always tough when you're signing a PTO. It's hard enough trying to uh, get onto a roster and, and, and push some other guys out. But, uh, you know, when you're a PTO guy, uh, it, it's even harder. So good good for Louie. Happy for him. And uh, Kings fans won't see him in Los Angeles this year because the West Division will not be playing the the Canadian Division or the North Division. But, uh, you know, you can watch it on TV, I guess. Uh, let's okay, let's Jay, mo- question for you. Oh, sure. And you're an expert on this. Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. Now, this is good because we talked about it with me and Coolius on the air at the end of the show today. Um when players come back to a place they've played before this season, no fans in the building, tribute video? Well, I think this is going to – it's a great question. Um, I think this is going to be a year where – or a situation where you're going to see two tribute videos because I think that you have to do the tribute video when they first come back, but it's not really uh, – the video is not put together to play in the arena. So whether it – physically plays on the scoreboard or not is immaterial you have to put the tribute video together because fans at home will be watching the games and they're they will want some sort of an acknowledgement of that now in terms of when they come back at some point when there are fans in the stands i think you have to play that video or another video at that time because fans do want the opportunity to show their appreciation to those players. Mm-hmm. I mean, just take uh, Kyle Clifford as a perfect example. You're telling me, uh, well, actually, Cliffy received his with the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah. so that's not going to work. Wow. So, uh, okay, I guess Trevor Lewis. Alec Martinez. Oh, uh, he's not been back yet? No, they they played one game in Vegas. Oh, wow. Okay, so Alec Martinez. Okay, or Toffoli, for that matter, because he just missed out on on having his return right. game. It was scheduled, but it was canceled. So, yeah, you're telling me when Alec Martinez comes to Staples Center for the first time when fans are in the building, you're telling me that the fans are not going to want a universal moment to cheer? Obviously, they're all going to cheer at different moments, like when his name is announced or whatever, but there needs to be a stop and a break, and everybody needs to sort of pay attention to Alec Martinez. Uh, he scored one of the biggest goals in franchise history. Yes, that guy, we better text Kelly Cheeseman or somebody for that matter. There needs to be a video when there are stands in the uh, fans in the stands to acknowledge the contributions of those players to, to those organizations. What's your take? 
Um, I'm not sure about this season because with nobody in the stands, I, I get that. I didn't make the connection with respect to fans watching at home. Does it that so that acknowledgement? But yeah, I I would I would skip this season because there are no fans. Um, and, but definitely next season. Like so, it wouldn't be the first technically the first game back, first game back with fans. Absolutely run it. I think that what's so weird is when, um, you, you well, we talked with Kevin Westgarth how. He played for several teams after the Kings, but he never had that return moment, right? So um, imagine Trevor Lewis. Just, just talk about Louie for a second. He, he could run into the same situation. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen, but he could. He could He could ride out right. the season with the Winnipeg Jets and not be, you know, uh, not asked to return and, you know, not be able to hook on with another team. He Trevor Lewis might not ever get his moment in the sun in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Right. Agreed. Yep. Crazy. Crazy. All right, DB, let's do this. Uh, in, in, for the sake of time, let's just quickly jump into the uh, the Western Conference or the Western Division, excuse me, and uh, we'll do all the teams real quickly except the LA Kings. We'll save the Kings and all of our comments for a jam-packed third period. Let's just do it real quickly. In the West, which is brought to you by Honda, not the Honda Center, but by Honda, the same people that sponsor the Center. Anaheim Ducks. I'll take this one, Dennis. I, I don't have a song about a coach, but I think everything boils down to what's going on behind the bench. Uh, nice guy, great guy. Uh, all, all of his team loves him. I'm just not sure that they have the right coach to get them over the hump. Uh, and they have a lot of young players they're trying to integrate in. I, I was not impressed with what they were able to accomplish or really not accomplish last year with all of that that youth that was being injected into the lineup. And uh, okay, you know, they went out and signed Kevin Shattenkirk. Fine. Um, I just, I, I think that everything boils down to what happens with the coach this year in Anaheim. Arizona Coyotes. Um, Desert Rose by Sting because their offense is going to be as dry as the home state. <laughs> okay. Um, the con- <laughs> they traded away Eric Stepan. Hall left. I, I don't know how they're going to score. If they're going to make the postseason, it has to be on goaltending and defense. I think they're going to be a really tough watch. Colorado Avalanche. Uh, again, don't have a song. Uh, I probably should have picked one. To me, it's about goaltending. Not a big believer in the goaltending that they have there with Grubauer and uh, Franchose, I think is the correct pronunciation. We'll have to check with people on that one. But uh, I'm sorry? This week. <laughs> yes, it does change. Um, it's weird. It's really weird, Dennis. Like, I think the Colorado Avalanche are the favorites to win the Stanley Cup, but I still don't like they their are. goaltending. So it, it's yep. I'm very conflicted. So uh, if there's a song out there about being conflicted, uh, you know, that's not by the Backstreet Boys or something, uh, please uh, tweet me and let me know. Or by Nickelback either. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm conflicted about the Colorado Avalanche. So that's my, that's my take yeah, there. If they don't win, John, it's because of their goaltending. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I think that they should have made a move on a goaltender last year at the trade deadline, and, and I was harping on that at the time. I still believe that they should have addressed their goaltending, and it's it's a travesty. Uh, it will end up being a travesty that they did not if they don't, I think, come through this year with a Stanley Cup because the opportunity was there for them twice. It would have been last year's trade deadline, and then at this year's trade deadline, again, that's if they don't do it. So LA Kings are next on the alphabetical uh, list here. We'll hold off on them. The Minnesota Wild, DB, do you have anything for Minnesota? I do. It's a it's a Steppenwolf Steppenwolf remix, born to be mild, because they put me to sleep, John. Yeah, well, I mean, get I ready. I give, I, I give I give Billy Graham credit. He is rebuilding that team, and the Kaprizov kid is going to be really exciting to watch. Uh, if he's not the second line, he'll be on the first line. But they are definitely one of my least favorite teams to watch. So born to be mild, not wild by Steppenwolf. 
Well, Dennis, you're going to need to load up on some Red Bull then because the, the LA Kings not only open against the Minnesota Wild, they play four games against them before the month of January is even over, and then they play their next four games to wrap up the entire eight-game season set. They play the next four in the first three weeks of February. So basically over the first, what, seven weeks of the season, um, you're, or less than that, actually, you're going to get all eight games of the LA Kings versus the Minnesota Wild. And to be honest, DB, as boring as the Minnesota Wild might be, those eight games might be the whole season for the LA Kings. If they have right. any hopes yep. of making the playoffs, there you go. So we're going to be talking you a lot. I both said that. I think it's eight of the first 21 for LA, but I, you and I are, I think we both mentioned on Twitter, that's the key to the season, how they play. Oh, yeah. Coming out of shoot against Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we'll be talking a lot about the Minnesota Wild. Maybe we can get uh, Mike Madonna or Billy Guerin on uh, a later podcast. I am working on something related to the Coyotes, but I'm going to save that secret for later. Uh, San Jose Sharks, what do you have for San Jose? Okay, smooth operator by Big Daddy Kane. I'm sure you're aware of what's going on with Evander Kane right now. Yeah, well, hold on. Isn't smooth operator also by Sade? It is, but it's Big Daddy Kane, too. So Okay, so you're going Big Daddy Kane. See, I would have gone Shot Egg. It's a great song, but okay, Big Daddy Kane. Uh, yes, Evander Kane, um, <laughs> he needs to call up Mass Mutual, I think, and, and try to figure yes. this out. So he's playing in the wrong division. $27 million in debt. Yeah, it's, it's a tough, and, and this is going to be a distraction. And now let's talk of him maybe opting out and not playing the season. So for a team that was going to bounce back and really be healthy, first time Eric Carlson was really healthy for the first uh, time in three seasons. Victor's healthy, Hurdle's healthy. You would thought they would contend for that fourth spot, but now it's a giant cloud over the team because you don't know how they're going to react into the room to a guy who's been controversial all his uh, career. Evander Kane, no, no, nothing. <laughs> no controversy surrounding Evander Kane. What are you talking about? Um, St. Louis Blues. What do you have for Kyle Clifford and uh, Tory Krug and the St. Louis Blues? Bounce back by Big Sean. So oh. I like that. I, th- I think that they can they can win division. They got to bounce back, especially the goalie. I think this comes down to Jordan Bennington because he was pretty bad in the postseason, John. He was mm-hmm. not not the same goalie that won the Stanley Cup. I like what they've done. They added Mike Hoffman to their offense uh, since Tarasenko won't be there to start. They're a solid team up and down. Um, they're certainly going to miss Petrangelo, but um, in a division that, you know, is not going to be that challenging for them. I think they have a bounce back season. They can be tough. They can be a contender. They could. I don't think they win the division. I think Vegas and Colorado are the two best, uh, but I expect a bounce back season from the Blues. Yeah, um, I know we were going to alternate, but I do just want to build on that for a second. I think that it the question becomes, do they want to push hard enough to win the division? Because I think that clearly those three teams that you just mentioned, Vegas, um, Colorado, and St. Louis, are the class of the division, and they will you know compete for the number one spot. But do the Blues want to put the pedal to the metal and go for that uh, number one spot, or do they kind of want to let their season build and peak at the right time, as they say, leading into the playoffs? For me, that's really the question. So, uh, great, great yeah. song choice there. That, that's a great point, Jay. Because remember, the other two teams have never. Well, Colorado has won since when '95, and Vegas has never won. So there's, there's probably less pressure on St. Louis because of their recent Cup win mm-hmm. to win the division, mm-hmm. right? They don't have to prove themselves. The other three teams, they they have the least to prove. So I agree with you. They may just like kind of lay in the weeds and just wait for the postseason. Yeah. Um, I think they also probably had the most change uh, within their roster as well. And so it should potentially take a little bit more time for that team to gel and come together uh, compared to the other two teams. Just just things I'm thinking of off the top of my head here. Uh, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, DB, what do you have for them? Stuck in the middle with you by Steelers wheels. <laughs> because if they lose, it's going to be because Chandler Stevenson is their second line center right now. Mm. They traded Paul Stosny. I don't think Penton Grebs or um, Cody Glass is going to step up. On a championship team, John, um, William Carlson is a spoosie. 
right? Not a one seed. And I think that's the issue. And the, that's the issue with this team, John, is that they lost in the postseason because they didn't have good enough center play. And what they did is they went out and got Alex Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's not. It's because its owner is such a you know visible guy, and he likes the shiny toy every offseason. Remember, they traded for Mark Stone. They traded for Max Pacioretty. Now they signed this guy as a defenseman. They let they Schmidt go, who the glue guy in the room. Yeah. So to me, the middle's a question. And John, chemistry in the locker room is that thing with between. Lanner and Flurry, is that going to burgeon all season? Is that going to be an issue? Are there going to be sides taken? I, I just question the chemistry of this team, and I don't like what they have in the middle. I think that, especially when they go up against the Colorado team that has McKinnon, Padre down the middle, I think they're going to come up short again, and it's because I just don't like their center play. And you know, DB, they, they might be the one team that is going to benefit the most from the reconfigured division because – the the surrounding teams around them will probably allow them to make the playoffs, if you will. And I don't think it would have been yeah. as much of a guarantee had the regular division been there. If Calgary was in the division, if Edmonton was in yeah. the division, and, and so on. So I think they're going to really benefit uh, the most, if you will, from the reconfigured division. Brought to you by Honda. Yeah, exactly. And and again, they don't have strength at center, so who are they not playing this year? Edmonton. With, you know, with Leon and Connor in the middle. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that certainly they could win the division. I don't like them to win the division, but certainly they're going to be there. Too. And, again, it's another team that could probably play at their own pace to, to go through the 56 games because you got to write them as a, as a playoff team. All right, we're going to take another quick break, DB. We're going to be back on the other side. Third period, final segment, and we're going to go deep and long on the L.A. Kings for all of our great listeners. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. We're trying to do that now. Um, and again, there's different scenarios. There's the scenario of everybody's available. Here's probably what it's going to look like. What happens if we get these guys back? What happens if we only get one back? Uh, too many situations, too many variables to lay it all out. Um, tried to keep guys in pairs together as much as we possibly can. And um, I, I think those groups are comfortable. But as I mentioned, we're not going to be the only team that's going through this. And um, we better be able to gel and change on the fly quickly. We all know what Thursday uh, stands for. We all know there's an important game coming up and many games coming up. Uh, there's an excitement that you can feel building towards that. Um, you know, clarifying who will be playing and who will be playing with who. I think players want that in advance. Uh, but because of the strange season, we may not have that. Uh, we may just have to react. You know what? I think it helps. Uh, I, I see a, a better skater uh, with World Juniors. If I compare last year to this year, I see stronger, fitter, uh, a better engine, something that, that goes a little longer at high end. Uh, the shot, the ability to shoot, the ability to score is, is you know, is his calling card. It's always been, and that continues to be good. But um Thought as the World Junior Tournament built, um, he got better. He created opportunities for his teammates with four checks, knocking people off the puck, protecting it. Um, you know, his his work away from the puck has improved, uh, where it, it he understands the importance of it. Um, 
And uh, so I would say that he has improved just on the, on the, the U.S. Uh, viewings of the World Junior. All right, leading us into the third period. Thank you to Todd McClellan for some of those quotes here from training camp. It has absolutely been a, a wild ride, as we talked about earlier, Dennis, throughout training camp. But uh, Todd has been his usual transparent self. He was great as a guest here on Kings of the Podcast about a week or so before camp opened. And I think that he's uh, continued that throughout the, the two weeks here of camp. I think he, like the players, can't wait for the game to get started. <laughs> it's been 10 months. The training camp's been a real challenge with respect to players being missing and all the other stuff he had to deal with. I just think he can't wait to get behind the bench and uh, start coaching his team. I loved when he told, uh, or today, when he said, you're going to have to get a hold of the trainers and the doctors because I'm not the guy to give you that information. So you know, it's, that, was a, that was a great... Todd is not really known for the good one-liners. He's just he's so honest and transparent and, and forthcoming, you know, all those words um, when talking about players or situations that he doesn't give you a lot of those those sexy quips, you know, uh, those sexy yeah. tweets. But boy, he was he was full of a couple of them today. You know, it's it's funny, Jay. You mentioned when you bring that up. So he's a great communicator. He gets along great with you and me. Uh, answer the questions sure. and understands that we have the job to do. But he's not the humorous guy. He's not. <laughs> you know, it's usually like a direct quote that gives you understanding and clarity around the situation that you're asking about. Mm -hmm. But it isn't. I agree with you. He, he doesn't have to throw quips out there. But it's just um, it's just unusual to see him joke around a little bit. Well, I will. I want to be on the record though with this one, Dennis. I will take a Todd McClellan press conference any day of the week and twice on Sunday compared to what has been in Los Angeles really much of the last 10 years. I know that the fans find it entertaining, uh, but it, it wears or it did wear thin very, very quickly. So it's called the respect, John. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for McClellan press conferences, all for it. Uh, DB, before we move on, let's just uh, quickly talk about uh, one of our sponsors because support for Kings of the Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, and they're, of course, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. There's some big news breaking, though, DB, and you know we like to break news here on Kings of the Podcast. Manscaped has just released their new cologne scent, uh, which is designed to help you feel good and smell good all over at all times. So who knew that smelling this good could feel this good, too? Manscaped is trusted. Did you know this, Dennis? Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. It's a pretty big group. I didn't know that was the count, but that's amazing. That is the count. Wow. Yes. Over 2 million men worldwide. So um, our listeners are encouraged. Join the movement for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. And, of course, uh, DB, our listeners already know that Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0. We've been talking about that for a couple of months to help uh, listeners with their below-the-waist grooming needs. But things don't stop there. The new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped is the perfect complement to the collection. It's light. It's approachable. It's gentlemanly in all the right ways. Uh, think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. It's calming and inviting. So uh, it's also, DB, hypoallergenic, cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and 100% vegan. They didn't uh, ask me to say this, but I will let you know, even though it's vegan, please don't eat it, okay? Um, it, it, but it, seriously, it's time to feel sexy again. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code KOTP new. That's KOTPNEW at manscaped.com. Your body will thank you. Again, get 20% off free shipping with the code KOTP uh, new. You can get that at manscaped.com. So look good, smell good, and feel good with Manscaped. You are now the mayor of the live read as well. <laughs> I do my best, Dennis. I, I try to 
try to try to get it all out there. Uh, you know, look, Manscaped put it up, puts out some great products. They've sent us some stuff. We've had a chance to yep. look at it and use it, and uh, I, I, I'm happy to align myself and us, uh, for, for that matter, uh, with a brand that we appreciate, respect, and, and like. So I, I'm all for Manscaped. They're really putting out some great stuff, and I'm I'm curious to see if this new cologne can can take off and can, can become a nice extension of their their product line, which is not only uh, the trimmer, but you know they have so many other things with the gels and the balms and the lotions and everything else. So good stuff. You know, it's not just the women that need to have proper grooming uh, products. No, men need this stuff too. Let's go. It's 2021. It, it is 2021. According to the calendar, it still feels like just another day that started in March of 2020 though. Uh, Dennis, nice. uh, let's turn the page though. Let's talk about the LA Kings. Let, let's go through the roster here for just a quick minute. Um, we, we didn't do any sort of show prep in advance, so I didn't feed any questions to you. Um, I just wanted to get your, your hot takes and your reactions. So the LA Kings roster is, is, fairly put together at the time of the taping. Uh, earlier today, uh, Kings GM Rob Blake did have to submit his final roster to the league office. However, they are allowed to make an adjustment to that before the game on Thursday if a couple players clear protocol or anything. And there was, of course, a, a kind of like a, a late swerve this morning. Gabe Velarde at the last minute was cleared and allowed to rejoin practice. We'll talk about that. Um, top line, you have Ayafalo, Kopitar, Brown. Any thoughts, any comments just about that line, expectations, or anything at all, DB? Just a, a quick hot take on that that line they're going to deliver the goods i expect no regression from the from this and you have plus you have i follow on a contract here i think they'll be fine and they'll be productive and uh um i don't think that's one that's one area you can bank on this year for this team I agree. I think they will deliver. My my question is going to be, and it's not a criticism of Ayafalo as much as it is an interest level in some of the other players on the roster. I'm curious if that line will still be together at the end of the season because Todd is uh, very much committed to keeping a lot of the familiar combinations together to get started here at the beginning of the year, especially because of the long uh, break and the, the lack of exhibition games. And so it makes sense to start with that line, but can somebody else on the roster get hot and hot mm-hmm. enough to potentially take that spot and allow Ayafalo to to perhaps move down to the second line. That's that's what I'm curious about. The um the second line, which temporarily is going to be the second line, it's it's actually the third line. Uh, once Velarde and Ferk and everybody are back, but we'll just go with it for now. The second line of Anthony Siu or Athanasiu, I guess. And there's no N in there. I keep putting to put one in there, but double A along with Blake Lazat and Jeff Carter. What's your what's your thoughts? Well. Ignore the minus 46 on Anthony C.U. Uh, if you look at his shooting statistics from last season, he should improve over last season. So he had, of all the players, John, like that have played in this league and done well at some point, he has the biggest opportunity. So I, I think you could see a turnaround season. He can't be any worse defensively. And he knows that he, if he's going to stay in this team, he's going to have to play both sides of the puck. He's got a great coach that can teach him that. And if he adheres to it, he can have a solid season. So of all the players, he's the one I expect to turn around the most because if you look at his percentages with respect to shooting, it was way down. And I just think that even with Blake Lazat, who's not a great facilitator at this point in his career, I think you can see a bounce back season from Andreas Anthony here. Well, the LA Kings would certainly hope so. Uh, I'm curious there to see what the leash is going to be. Uh, you know, you, you could sort of yeah, play this out with two point. sides of the coin. If you're Todd and you want to play the patient card, you could say, hey, look, he's new to the system. He's new to our team. It's going to take him 10, 15, 20 games to acclimate. We're going to be patient. Or it could be the other situation. It could be with all those games against Minnesota, like we talked about earlier. It's something's not working there. They have plenty of other options to slide in alongside of Lazat and Carter yeah. and, and really do some damage on that line. I mean, I think Carl Gunstrom's hanging 
hanging around in the background trying to find a home, and that could potentially be a spot uh, for him. To me, that line would, would then somewhat remind me a little bit, uh, watch this, it would remind me a little bit um, of the line of Carter to Foley and Pearson if you put Grunstrom on that line with Lazat and Carter. Just a little bit, something to think about there. Um, the well, next, I, I think that I think that Grunstrom's a, a, certainly a better two-way player. Probably more responsibly defensively than Anthony Sioux is. Anthony Sioux, even he, you know, even if he does commit to playing, he's still going to be a one-way player, right? And he's you know, he's not your stopper line. So I, I get that. I get. I don't think that Grunstrom. Grunstrom's a less talented Dustin Brown. I, I, that's how I see him. Sure. So Dustin Brown like that. And you get that on. Yeah. If you get the, the I'm on the third line, and he, he can he can break through this season, then you have a, a keeper. And see, there was where I was going. Tanner Pearson used to be referred to as a Dustin Brown light. And so Grunstrom, to me, uh, although he really might fit the mode, the role better as Dustin Brown light, because uh, Grundy, uh, Tonka, as he's, I guess, referred to now, is more of a physical player than Tanner Pearson ever was. So, yes. and I, you know what? I'm happy to see Carl Grunstrom come in and get some props this year from Coach McClellan. Um, from what I understand, Todd was not very impressed with him last year. And uh, it's good to see that, that Grundy went out and made a lot of changes in his game. And, and, and took advantage of whatever it was, six, eight, ten months off, and uh, he's come into camp as a much better player. Very curious to see how McClellan can integrate him into the lineup and get some minutes out of uh, Grunstrom because they need some more depth scoring. They need something beyond just that top line that will deliver like you were talking about. So the third line, DB, which is actually the second line, but whatever. For tonight, it's the third line, which is, it's supposed to be Kempe Velarde with Martin Furk. However, Furk is out injured. He's week to week. Uh, so temporarily, Wagner is going to is gonna probably slot in there. Nobody knows for sure. I mean, this is, if there ever was a year to borrow a Daryl Sutter phrase, wait for the song, this is the year right. because no one's going to really know what the lineup is. It's going to change from morning skate until the puck drops. So wait for the song. Uh, but the line is supposed to be, if everything works out properly it's supposed to be Kempe with Velarde and Ferk what do you think of that line Dennis mm. <laughs> I like it better as a third line okay because as a second as a second line it might be the worst second line in the league <laughs> look here's the thing John I, I don't know how Gabe's going to produce as a facilitator for those two players is he a goal scorer is he an assist guy he's gained more weight he sounds really confident so that's not an issue and with Gabe he admitted that confidence was you know part of the challenge of getting back on the ice so I know you you like him for the Calder, which is a possibility. It, it's just that I'm not sure how that chemistry is going to work. Look. Like, and I'll, we'll find out soon, John. We'll find out before we finish the Minnesota Wild Games, like how that how that chemistry works. So on the face of it, I, I, don't, I like it better with the third line, but I'm willing to give it a chance because I'm not sure about Gabe and what kind of game eventually he lands on. Um, is, he the, is he the Jeff Carter, the Cy Young winner, where he's scoring 27 goals in a big season and maybe have less assists? Or is he truly a facilitator that can help Ferk reestablish his game in the NHL and have Kempe break through as a scorer? Okay, I think he's both DB. Um, I think that he is a facilitator. I think he's going to set Martin Ferk up for a lot of goals. I don't know if Ferky will hit his, 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 uh, his personal uh, goal uh, that he has set right. for himself, but I think he certainly will. Uh, help Ferk get some goals. There's some magic between those two players. You just see it when they're on the ice. And when you see that type of magic between those players, they're fun to watch. And so it'll be fun to watch it on a consistent basis at the National Hockey League level. I also think that Gabe is going to score plenty of goals, regardless of what happens with Kempe over there. And if things don't work out with Kempe, and I'm not saying they that they won't, but if they don't, again, I think the Kings have some other options. We talked about Grunstrom earlier. There are certainly plenty of other guys that they can mix and match around on that line um, to make something happen. So, 
I do believe that Gabe Velarde is in the conversation for the Calder Trophy this year. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I think it's very difficult for somebody on the West Coast, especially in LA, to win that award. However, I do think that Gabe Velarde is in the conversation for Calder this year. So you can you can rack that, you can save it, and we can replay it at the end of the season. The uh, the fourth line as it lines up right now appears to be Trevor Moore with Mike Amadio and uh, our good buddy Matt Luff. What do you think of Moore, Amadio, and Luff? I'm glad to see Luff get a full shot, mm-hmm. right? Because if he comes to look, it's a situation where you know Luffer could be a Seattle Kraken next year this time. So that, that you know that that could be a possibility. Um, I'm a little disappointed that another player hasn't taken Amadio's place, either uh, Jod or Leah Anderson. I would have liked to seen one of those players step up and swap out for this for uh, um, for Amadio because my opinion of him is really cratered after last season. So we'll see. Maybe there's a redemption season left in him. Uh, but to me, um, there's got to be more energy from him. There's got to be it, – it's just it, – right now, John, I got to see them on the ice, right? Mm-hmm. I got to see them in game action because there's not a lot of chemistry there because they really haven't played much together. So that's my concern. The one good thing is you're going to get offense from Matt Luff, yeah, no matter where he plays. So there's going to be a little bit of offensive punch on that fourth line, which I think is a good spot. Okay, so let me let me give you my reaction to that. Mike Amadio is not long for the LA Kings. I can't see him on the team much longer. What does that mean? Is it two weeks? Is it three months? Is it the end of the season? Is it the trade deadline? I don't know exactly when, but his expiration date is probably coming pretty soon, and he probably needs to get a fresh chance with another organization. The reason I believe, and Todd hasn't told me this, but I'm speculating here, the reason I believe that Mike Amadio is the fourth-line center on opening night is because of his experience. Having played uh, a significant number of NHL games compared to the other options, he's really the only quote-unquote vet that you can slide in there as a fourth-line center. Um, Leas Anderson, who could and should take that spot, he's not ready yet. Uh, He doesn't have NHL experience. He's going to get that NHL experience. They're going to give him opportunities this year to play with the LA Kings. But on opening night... That is a really tough ask to have more Anderson and Luff or even Grundstrom, um, Anderson, and Luff. There's just not a lot of NHL experience there. So you normally try to break kids into the league by surrounding them with some quote-unquote veterans. And I keep using that term just because obviously Michael Amadio is not a veteran in the same stature of an Andre Kopitar or, or whatnot. But Amadio does bring a couple of seasons of NHL experience to that fourth line, and that's what he's there for that job is available to be taken. So as soon as right. a Leas Anderson or an Anderson Dolan can reach up and take that job, I think that's when you're going to start to see that Mike Amadio is going to be a healthy scratch most nights and or he's not going to be long for the organization. Um, you, there are a couple of guys, uh, Grundstrom we've talked about and whatnot, that can be uh, mixed in there. I want to hold off on the Byfield and Kaliev talk for just a few minutes to run through the defense. Oh, no. We... Only going to argue fifteen minutes about Cal, about Byfield? No, I just okay, I fig I just figured we would leave that till the end. You want to do it now? We do it now. No, 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 no. Go okay, so real quickly, the program. Let's go. Real quickly on the defense, uh, Mata Dowdy. I think we're in agreement that it's going to be good for Drew to have a veteran defenseman back there, and everybody's looking forward to Drew hopefully having a bounce back season from a, from an offensive perspective. Is that is that our fair, quick, hot take on the, on that pairing? Yeah. Um, on Drew. I hope the team starts well. I just really hope they start well out of the box. Because if it looks like another season like the last two, I have concerns. Okay. Leave it with that. Okay. We can readdress that in a future episode. Um, Mikey Anderson paired with Matt Roy on the second pairing. Do you like that pair? Yeah, you know, Mikey Anderson is a hot commodity. Like everybody you talk to outside of LA, like 
hey, we hear this innocent. I go, yep, yep. The kids, the kids appears to be legit. I know it was a small sample size and maybe we're getting overexcited, but yeah, this is, look, if, if last season was Roy and Walker's breakthrough season, then this is going to be uh, Mikey Anderson's um, breakthrough season. And I just think that he's set up to win uh, where he's playing and with the coach he has. All right. Uh, and on the third pairing, you have Kale Clegg right now playing with Alt. That is not going to be the third pairing because, of course, Curtis McDermott and Sean Walker are both in protocol. They could be cleared at any moment. And when they are, Alt will then move to the taxi squad. Clegg is scheduled this year to rotate in and out. We've talked about this on plenty of other episodes. Hopefully people understand what that means. He's scheduled to rotate with uh, Tob- Tobias Bjornfoot this year. Um, but we could see an opening night roster, uh, opening night third pairing that features Kale Clegg and Alt. Are you comfortable with the third pairing of those two guys i'm really interested to see how kale play, plays this year mm-hmm. to me that that's the to me that's the diamond in the rough that's like we're going to find out a lot about this player this year he's mm-hmm. going to right be in rotation but still to me I, I think getting him ice time to see what he really is is going to be one of the goals of this season Yes, he is not in the Matt Luff situation. This is not do or die for Kale Clegg, but I think this is a very important year for him to start to carve out what his niche is, what his role is within the organization, because this team is loaded with those mid-tier defensemen. While they don't have a Drew Doughty-level prospect in the organization, they have Anderson, Bjornfoot, Clegg, Dursey. You have Brock Faber coming up behind him in a couple of years who just had a fantastic World Junior Tournament. You have Granz, who they just drafted in the second round as well. There are a whole bunch of defensemen and not even talking about Austin Strand and some of the other guys, they're going to be trying to get into that third pairing spot. And Curtis McDermott, who once upon a time, everybody thought they would be able to leapfrog him. And he now seems to have sort of cemented himself uh, into that group of seven defensemen. Things are tough there on the blue line. So this is a very important year for Kel Clegg. And I would second your comments. I'm really excited to see him play at the NHL level and see uh, what he has to offer. Quickly turning to goal so we can get back to Byfield and Kaliev. Uh, you have obviously Jonathan Quick. He's a known commodity. Cal Peterson is expected to be the second goaltender in LA. He is temporarily uh, in quarantine or in protocol, whatever you want to call it. He will be cleared at some point when he is. He'll slide in to be the pairing with Jonathan Quick in, in net. And uh, uh, Grosnick, who is currently the backup in Los Angeles right now until that happens, uh, he will slide into being the taxi squad goaltender. And then in the American League, you would probably have Volalta and and, and Ingham and J.F. Berube, and they'll have to sort that out and see if one of those players ends up in the uh, the ECHL. But Quick and Peterson, any comments about those two? Well, hopefully they play like they did down the stretch, John, so they're settled. But, you know, I, I think if Jonathan Quick wants to get a little bit more pissed off, he should look at some of the rankings with, that some of these riders have with respect to where he stands in the league. Um, and he'll be able to be even more motivated. But, John, if they play like they played the last 20 games, if this team in total plays like they did the last 20 games of last season, like – they're going to be in the mix. I don't think they are, but I don't right at this point. I'm not worried about the goaltending. If Jonathan quick falters and regresses, then Cal Peterson is ready to step in and can give them nine fifteen, nine twenty save percentage every night. I think you said it best, DB, when you said, I'm not worried about the goaltending because when I look up and down this roster, uh, I can I could give you questions about every line and I could give you questions about every defensive pairing. I can't really give you any questions about the goaltending. I feel very comfortable with what the Kings have in goal. And uh, however it ends up playing out, I think it's going to end up being one of their strong suits uh, this year over the 56-game season. So, good. We can move on from the goaltending. That's pretty much the roster, with the exception of two key name players. We know that Alex Turcotte is hurt right now, but he really wouldn't be in the mix anyway because the the time is the, the clock is ticking for two players and their potential return to the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, and that would be um, uh, Quinton Byfield and... 
Arthur Kaliev. So you have you have something you you want to say apparently, DB, about this. You ready to take the gloves off? Let's go. Let's do it. I, I know I I know your stance, right? Like I, I know what the organization's told you. We don't want to play Byfield more than six games. I get it. I understand it. And then I go and look at the last five second overall picks. Taco, Shvetchnikov, Patrick, Lani, Eichel, none of them went back. They all played, or even played in their 18-year age. I would like to see the guy play this season. I don't. I just think it's – I just look at the history here. I think we're not talking about, you know, Arthur Kaliev, who was a second-round pick, or a Bjorn Foot, who was 22nd overall. This is the second overall pick. Now, I reiterate, and I know you disagree, and I respect your stance, and I will tell you, John, I believe that's how it's going to unfold. I would, you know, my point here, like, I would like to see this organization be more aggressive mm-hmm. in a lot of different facets with respect to players, right? I would play this kid, right? I would play him, play him 28 games or whatever, play him. And, and if they are truly talking about winning, and I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to be respectful of the rest of the roster here, but if you think you can contend for that playoff spot and you give this kid a month to acclimate to NHL play and the system and Todd and everything. Like, are you seriously telling me that if he played the third or fourth line center, that you don't give, that doesn't give the team a better chance to win than playing a Blake Lazard or a Michael Amadio or Leah Sanderson? I think it would, I think it would benefit the players development. Um, I don't think it's going to spin out that way because I, I trust your sources and I trust that's how it's going to go. I would just be, I just, if I ran a team, I would be more aggressive with respect to trades. I'd be more aggressive with this player. Kelly, if you want to send back, I get it. I understand it. Uh, but this player who's the second overall pick, when I look at the others that have come before him, I think would benefit in the play in the league this year. Now, let me give you some reaction to that. Um, well, well said, and I appreciate and respect your points. Let me say a couple of things. Let me first uh, mention Kalia before I get to Byfield. Kaliev, I actually have a, a different, it's funny, I have a different take than you. I think that if you were going to take one of these two players, I would take Arthur Kaliev. I think this team is lacking offense, and I think that Kaliev gives you a better opportunity to score. Uh, they're lacking scoring wingers. I think that he gives you a better opportunity to put uh, goals on the board than, than Byfield will, who you would want to be more defensively responsible as a fourth-line center. And I think that you could break in uh, Kaliev a little bit easier than you could break Byfield in this season. So I'm all for, I'm not saying they're going to do it. Again, what what Rob Blake and the management team and McClellan and the organization, what they choose to do is completely different. But if it was me, I would keep Kaliev this year uh, over keeping Byfield. Now, that being said, let's get to Byfield. With Byfield, I'm not saying it's 100% a lock that Byfield is not going to um, stay with the LA Kings this season. All indications are, in talking to the proper people that know these things, all indications are that uh, Byfield is going to be returned to the Amer- uh, to the OHL this year, and it's merely a function of you know the rules, if you will. In a perfect world, you would send both of those players to the American League, like Turcotte, but because of the rules between the CHL and the NHL, you can't send uh, players of that age to the American League. They have to still serve, if you will, time in, in the uh, Canadian juniors. So he needs to go back. Both players need to go back to the Ontario League. All of this said, though, Dennis, I think that there is a crack. There is a there's a crack in the door. There's a the window is slightly open. And here's why. The the Kings have control of Byfield and Kaliev without putting them on the NHL roster 
until such time that the Ontario Hockey League announces right, when they're right. returning. And nobody you. knows when that date is. And so they have a little bit of flexibility. And here's the real key. What they don't have is they don't have a lot of NHL roster flexibility. I've written a lot about this on mayorsmanor.com in recent weeks, and people should go and they should read that because then you'll understand and you won't just have to have an emotional reaction to it. You'll understand what they're up against in terms of 14 forwards and how they're trying to construct the roster and how it's not easy just to throw Byfield into the mix. If everybody's healthy, to put Byfield onto the roster, somebody has to go on waivers. And fine, okay, you're, you're willing to do that. But here's my point, Dennis. The Kings were in a big, big hurry to get the American League up and running. Why? Because the sooner the, uh, that they can get the American League up and running and get training camp open, they're going to play exhibition games. We were told a couple of exhibition games, and then today broke the news that it was six exhibition games. Dennis, we're talking about six AHL exhibition. The Ontario Reign never plays six exhibition games. No. Why, why, <laughs> why are they playing six exhibition games, and why did training camp quickly get thrown together and announced almost out of nowhere that training camp opened today? Because once they had an agreement in place with a couple of other teams to get this going and had approval from the AHL, it was time to rock and roll because they understand, the Kings, as do other teams, they understand that there is a very limited window that they never, ever, ever have. It's a unique time in the world, and they have it right now, where they can have Byfield and Kaliev play games for their AHL team when technically they're not supposed to be with the American League team. So although they're exhibition games, and I get that, it is going to give the Kings management a real up-close-and-personal opportunity to see Byfield and Kaliev. And believe me when I tell you, these games are important. These are not exhibition games. These might as well be playoff games, Dennis. That's why I, on Twitter today, joked and said it's the Kanko Cup. This, these six <laughs> games are big, 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 big. These games are huge because these games are going to determine... I believe, what happens with Byfield, what happens with Kaliev. Can either of these or both of these young players force the hand of Rob Blake to go a different direction than what the plan was coming into the season? Sure, the 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 unfit to play and all this other sort of stuff has, has also given a couple of windows of opportunity for them to maybe sneak in and make an NHL debut. But, you know, playing on a fourth line, playing six or nine minutes a night, that's not going to give the, the, the Kings, it's not going to give Blake and McClellan enough excitement and enough conviction to burn a year off their contract and keep them out of the Ontario League. But if you talk about those six games that take place in the Kenko Cup, uh, those games, which are real games, and now you're seeing them in your own building, on your own ice, with your coaching staff, and your people evaluating them in person, which they couldn't even do at the World Juniors. They weren't allowed to be there, so they're watching it on TV like the rest of us. Uh, this, these six games are huge because I think the crack in the door or the window, like I just mentioned a moment ago, that's where it is. It's all inside those six games. I, I just want to add one more thing to that, Dennis. I, I wrote about this, but I wanted to share it. Um, I think the window for Byfield and Kaliev is in game three and four from an NHL perspective. Um, I, I'd be pretty shocked, actually, if either of them ended up on the NHL uh, lineup. Who cares if they make the roster, but they're a healthy scratch. That's not really... That's not their NHL debut. So I think if you're looking for Cali over Byfield to get an NHL game, I think games three and four make much more sense. Yeah. Uh, games one and two are far too important. They're against Minnesota. Games three and four, from a playoff perspective, are not nearly as important. And you can't wait beyond game four because they go, then go on the road for a while. And by the time they return home, uh, you could have the OHL could have already announced a return and therefore the window will have closed on you. So I think uh, that's, that's the way it's all going to shake out, Dennis.
Yeah, no, two great points, and I agree. With you. John, it, like you mentioned, it's a one-time only opportunity. Mm-hmm. This will ne- hopefully this will never happen again when we have this, such positioning by the league. So yeah, take advantage of it. See what you can do with these kids uh, in six games. And I agree with you; they're exhibitions, but as you mentioned, they're not. All right. The Kanko Cup is about to get underway in El Segundo with six preseason games for the Ontario Reign. You also have the LA Kings kicking off their 56-game NHL season against the Minnesota Wild on Thursday and then a rematch again on Saturday. Kings of the Podcast will be back. We will share uh, our opinions. We'll have more guests. It's going to be a fantastic season, Dennis. Buckle up, folks. Here we go. The 2021 season is upon us, and we can't wait to talk with you guys again. We'll see you soon. Oh,